Welcome to something positive for oh, I'm talking into the fucking phone instead of the mic. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Look at you. Look Welcome at to you. something positive for positive people. I'm Courtney Bray. Something positive for positive people is a 501c3 nonprofit organization that connects people who are struggling with herpes stigma to mental health resources as well as community. If you have listened to this podcast for a while now, you know that we have really expanded our topics into not just STIs and mental health, but we speak to the overall concept of identity validation. Um, one of the things that comes up commonly here is that sexual health is mental health and how a person who receives an STI diagnosis has their identity invalidated because it's so interconnected with our sexuality. So I wanted to give this podcast episode that little bit of a preface because we're going to speak to identity more than anything here. Uh, And this is going to be something that I want to put into a series for a couple of episodes. So I have my friend here, Patrick, who is going to uh, assist me in sort of speaking through something that I've processed as a straight black man who predominantly dwells in queer spaces. So uh, first off, Patrick, thank you for being here with me to kind of help me bring this to light because when I brought it to you I I gave you the diagram the diagram is going to be connected to this podcast episode some kind of way but it was this triangle of identities uh between manliness blackness and queerness right and it's funny because I shit you not I was sitting here and I was like typing in the document and you replied to something on my Instagram story and I was like I I was thinking to myself right before I was like, damn, I don't know that I know anybody that can relate to. And you just out of the fucking blue said something to me. And I was like, oh, Patrick. And that was how this whole thing happened. So uh, thank you for being here. Yeah, man. Thank you for having me. It's crazy how the universe works. (laughs) So let's start here. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and give like a little bit of background on how this started. So uh, on my Instagram page, I shared my dating profile and on my dating profile, I have queer friendly and someone reached out to me and uh, they were put off by that and asked how I would feel if someone put black friendly in their dating profile. And as someone who dates, I date in my race, outside my race, when I see someone outside my race who has like Black Lives Matter or BLM in their dating profile, that to me presents an awareness of blackness uh, that can be brought up in conversation or that they're like not just down with that brown necessarily, but also aware of some of what comes with dating someone who is black. And so to me, where this conversation took my brain was down the path of, damn, you know, I like being challenged about stuff, but I do think that sometimes people forget I'm black, like in this space of speaking to a lot of queer issues and speaking to a lot of cisgendered, not all the way straight white women or people. uh, I think that that's something that kind of is forgotten. And also, uh, yeah, yeah, we can we can pause there because I can keep talking about this and it's going to resurface over the course of the next few episodes. But that's where this started. So I want to ask you that same question. So as someone who is black and well, let me ask you first, how do you identify? What are your pronouns? Let's get a little bit of an introduction of your identity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
question. I'm sorry. Was that it? Just like the like basic intro? Yeah, that was it. That's it. <laughs> okay, cool. So, yeah. yeah, so like I'm curious to know that in your dating experience, uh, how do you receive someone who has Black Lives Matter in their profile? Let's start there. Yeah. Um, I, I appreciate that, you know, for a lot of reasons. Uh, the main reason is showing that they're on the right side of history. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, and, and two, going back to what you said, like, you know, it shows a, it shows a familiarity with blackness, but not just a, not, not just a familiarity, but also understanding that we are in a constant struggle of asserting ourselves, um, or just like asserting our livelihoods in this country, which I really appreciate. But um, but what you said earlier about black friendly, like that's the thing that throws me off. You know what I mean? Because sometimes I don't know if it's like this for you, but um, I see a lot of things like black friendly or the darker the better or this that that and that's coming from like white women right and so then that's when i feel like fetishized almost you know what i mean um so so when you see anyone who says something about our identity and their dating profiles we kind of like like on one hand i'm like okay this is cool they know who I am. They know who I, like, they know what I represent. But then it's also like, okay, why are they putting that there, right? There's always a little bit of, like, skepticism that that I have. And, like, you know, like, I have to be, like, like I'm happy, but I'm also, like, aware and just, like, a little cautious about how to navigate this, like, how to navigate this relationship going forward. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. Um, and even with the identifier of something like Black Lives Matter, I think, there are ways to show that you date black people in your profile a lot easier than it is for me as a black person or black man to show that I date outside my race or that I'm welcoming to varying identities um, in my dating. What, what would we call it in my dating profile? Let's say that uh, I only have so many characters, so many pictures and so much of somebody else's attention span to get so many things across where I present as a very heterosexual, masculine, straight, black man. And to yeah. be someone who is, I dwell in predominantly queer spaces as someone who is a sex educator. I'm open about my herpes status. And I also have this like externally uh, received vulnerability that directly challenges masculinity if you will like uh -huh, uh -huh. and i want to be able to articulate that i'm receptive to opening up conversation about that because stereotypes like you mentioned being fetishized right somebody who is a white woman who dates black men we have already this idea that we are more aggressive so i already have this uh this thing in life where I have to come off as non-threatening walking down the street. I'm six foot yeah. 250. So when I'm walking past a smaller white woman, I have to like smile. I don't want to fucking smile all the time or I got to like sing a yes. song or do this song and dance, say hi, be friendly in order to come off as non-threatening. So for me to just put queer friendly in my profile, like that's a way of saying, cause I also don't feel like 
and maybe this needs to be explained to me, but I don't feel like I am queer. I am a queer ally, but I feel like my straightness directly conflicts with what it means to be queer as well as my blackness because where I'm from, and you're from St. Louis as well, like where I grew up, it was like, that's white people shit. Like a lot of what happens in queer spaces has not traditionally been accepted by the, and I don't want to say the black community because there are so many different subcategories of blackness. And the one that I grew up in Like a lot of that is white people shit. You just don't do that. And as I expanded my dating range and began to find myself in spaces with people who don't live like me, look like me, act like me, I've come to realize like, oh, this this is some fun shit. Like I like being here. I like these people. I like some of the ideologies. And so like I'll I'll stop there and see what you have to add to that. Uh, Yeah. So um, yeah. So the thing is, I get a lot of comments all the time. Like, people think I'm gay. <laughs> like, a lot. You know, like, I guess it doesn't help that I have, like, a septum piercing and stuff like that. You know, I'm like, I'm a, like, so, like, I'm a black man who dances a lot, like, when I'm out. And then I also have a septum ring, right? Like, like people always, like, identify me as gay, like, off the bat. And that's because um, I don't have that typical hyper-masculine energy, like, radiating off of me like you know when i walk in a room right like just like you said like you know like i smile a lot and you know like in some of that you know i will admit is to make people feel safe around me not even white people just white people in just people in general you know what i mean um and that's and you know it used to bother me when i was little or not i mean not even when i was little like even into my like to my like, adult life it was it was so hard that like to, to be seen as all these things that I'm not like it's like you know I'm not gay and uh, you know I'm, I'm not queer like I'm very straight and there was a lot of like insecurity <laughs> for me you know uh with that and um I had I had just the damnest time with that and then on that and then on top of also seeming white you know like that's the thing like I I what I, I grew up watching anime you know I knew I mean? you was like, gonna like, say that because <laughs> I was yeah, thinking it. You know? I was thinking it. Anime, yeah, what else? You know? Yeah. So like growing up, growing up watching anime and playing, you know, Japanese role playing games. You know what I mean? Um, instead of doing things like you know running track or like like you know like playing sports. You know, like I was even in the orchestra, and they're like, "Bro, what are you doing?" You know what I mean? <laughs> um, and it was man, just growing up and having. And, and, and just I I always felt like I was subconsciously like I said even going into my like adulthood I always feel like I was like subconsciously almost going against the grain and like fighting and like fighting these stereotypes you know what I mean like it wasn't it, it, it wasn't on purpose but that's just what I was like you know I was just drawn to all these different things and then I had these all these different identities put on me and I was just like nah man I'm just like I'm just being me I don't know like, I don't know how, like, how else to put it, but I guess me being me was so different, especially in a, in a place like St. Louis, you know, that that was just so different. People didn't know how to accept me, so they was like, okay, well, okay, well, obviously this guy's gay, right? He's like, like, he goes out on the dance floor, he has no problem dancing, like, flamboyantly, he's like doing his thing, you know what I mean? They're like, oh, shit, okay, and then... Like, okay, well, this, this fucking nerd watches fucking, you know, Sailor Moon and shit like that. And, and you know, Sailor, like, Sailor Moon, Moon is, is a shit. 
Right. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, bro, listen, I relate to Sailor Moon because she can't do anything unless she's had food or a nap. Like, yes, like I 100 percent. That's, you know what I mean? That's my girl right there. You know, um, you know, and she has a talking cat. So, yeah, fuck, you know, I love cats. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's just all those things. I don't, I don't know if they really answered your question. No, so this but, is just a dialogue exchange, man, of experiences yeah. uh, to bounce off of one another. Something that you said resonates with me, like with now having to do things that make us seem non-threatening. Like this is kind of like a survival mechanism or trauma response, right? Because we are consistently seeing black men who look like us with darker skin murdered by the police or wrongfully, you know, just wrongfully being treated. Like I saw a video of a guy, a black man who was like a preferred customer at a hotel getting served before a white lady. And she lost her shit about this black man being served before her. To the point where she put her hands on him and then her husband or whatever ran up on him and dude laid his ass out though. He get him with that right hook and he was sleeping. Then he just went back to the counter and got his service. So fortunately someone was recording this. Yeah, right? Someone was recording this and saw this, but uh, the thought that I wanted to present here is being young and having to grow up in predominantly black spaces. It's like the opposite of that was taught. Like you got to be hard, you know, don't let anybody too close. You got to the harder you look, the less likely you are to be fucked with by your uh-huh. peers. Did you have that same uh-huh. experience? Hell yeah. Hell yeah, man. And, you know, for me, um, it wasn't just like people I was around, like at school or anything like that. Like it was like my own family too. You know what I mean? Like you, my own family picked on me. You know what I mean? And and like for me, that was hard, right? Because so I was like, okay, like if I have nobody else in this world, I'm always have like my cousins. You know what I mean? Like always have like my stepbrothers or or someone like that, right? Like I didn't have any of that. <laughs> you know what I mean? I was I felt like I was always alone. And like my stepdad used to tell me, man, like you gotta. You know what I'm saying? Like, you got to stand up, man. You got to, you know, puff your chest out a little bit. You know, like, you got to, you know, so you, you got to, can I, can I swear on here? You yeah, know I done like, already did yeah, that like you know, four times. Yeah. Okay, okay. <laughs> I got to yeah, check the explicit yeah. box. <laughs> all right, all right. Yeah, so my dad was like, come on, man. Like, you, like bro, you, you, you got to be that nigga out here. And I was like, but that's, that's really not me. You know what I mean? Like, I like I already knew, like, bro, I am not a fighter in in any way, you know what I mean? Like, if, if something happens, I'm the first one out the door. Not because I'm a coward, but I don't want to get caught up in nothing. You know what I mean? Um, and so, yeah, man. So, yeah, 100%. I, and that was, and again, that was tough, man. That was, that, that was, that was so tough having, having to survive not only from, like, white America, but also, like, from our own people. Like, you know, so like, and with, with our own community. You know what I mean? Because, like, if they, for me anyway, it was like, if they seek weakness, like, if they sense weakness, they'll test you. You know what I mean? And, and that's just the thing, like, people in general will always get away with what you let them get away with. You know what I mean? And and so, for me, it was easy just to, like, like, all right, bro, like, I'll just leave the whole situation, you know what I mean, before, before I ever have to try to be all hard and present myself as something that I'm not. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, and it's funny because, like, that shit don't work for us, like, now, in adulthood. And I look at how I was raised. My mom had me at 18. We basically grew up uh, in the same house with my granddad, so he basically raised us both. 
And I recognize like my mom protected me from things that were outside of the light post three houses down one way and the light how the light post three houses down the other way. And I was taught not to interact with these people, not to talk to strangers, not to put myself in situations where I was emotional, like emotions were frowned upon in my household. Like, oh, why are you crying? Shut up. Straighten up. Like, get back to baseline is essentially what I was being taught. Now, in adulthood, uh, I remember I, I learned when I moved to Houston. And it was like, all I have planned in my head is don't talk to strangers. But, like, that's networking. So, the survival right. skills that I was taught as a youth don't apply. And I had to, like, unlearn that shit to get to a point where I can introduce myself to somebody and not think that everyone is out to get me or take from me and accept this new reality. Like, that's why it's so hard for me to accept from people. Like I get donations from people and like, that's still a struggle for me to just say thank you and not feel a need to like pay it back. If you will, do you have any like shared experiences similar to that at all? Nah, I mean, for me, it was funny you said don't like don't talk to strangers and, and things like that because you know with with going back to what I was saying earlier um, with me being around like a bunch of, like hyper like hyper masculine hyper aggressive people who always want to test you I kind of you know I kind of just like crawled into a shell you know and for that my my survival technique was just not speaking up basically. You know what I mean? Just not just like just like being the quiet, the quiet kid who played video games. Like that, like that was my survival technique up until I would say up until like I was like eighteen or like eighteen or nineteen. I would say you know, and it affected me in so many ways, right? Like low, like low self esteem, no confidence in myself. You know what I mean? And I had to learn all those things in my twenties. You know what I mean? Like, and, 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 and there are even some social, just like basic social cues that I missed out on, you know, because I just didn't want to be like, I didn't want to be seen because I didn't know how to interact or defend myself in, in, in this situation. I missed out on so many social, social cues and social behaviors. That I should, I should have known, you know what I mean? And I had to, I had to learn all that shit as an adult, man. And that shit was hard. Yeah, <laughs> so it that, is. That shit was hard, right? Because because it's it's harder to make friends as an adult, right? You know what I mean? Like, in school, you're always around people. You're always involved in these activities. All those things are thrust upon you because that's the nature of the environment. But as an adult, you have to go out, you have to go out and seek those things, you know? And um, and so, like, that's what I had to do. So, and, and, and it was just... Like it was hard blossoming, blossoming into this person I am now, and and I, I'm 33 now. I still like I still struggle. There's still a lot of things I struggle with, right? Like when when I see certain people or like certain or like you know, like if I'm around like certain members of my family, even today, I still you know like clam up a little bit, right? You know, it's just it's just this it's a thing that I cannot that I that I think I know I won't all the way process or get over. But I had to recognize it and kind of like, okay, all right, I'm doing it. How do I get around this? You know what I mean? This is one of those things that I had to notice in the moment and then work and then work out of it. <laughs> yeah. Um, going back to what you said about being perceived as gay, as a straight man, how did you manage that? How did you 
how did you handle like having your sexuality challenged by people? Um, man, what a great question. Um, it never, it never really bothered me. You know what I mean? Like I, I just kind of like accepted it. Like, okay, like this is people just think I'm gay, whatever. But, um, I don't, man. Yeah. It never really bothered me, but you know, like I always had thoughts like, okay, well, might I be gay? You know what I mean? Like, because like, because you know that thing, like if so many people are saying it, then it must be true. You know? So I'm like, all right, well then maybe like, maybe I am, I don't know. Like, you know, um, because sexuality is like a spectrum, right? Like you never really know and you never, like you don't know things until you try it, you know? So like, yeah, like, yeah, there was a time, yeah, I tried it and I was like, nah, I'm not gay. Yeah, like I knew in that moment. And so, but once I, once I like had that experience, that's when I got a little more secure about it. You know what I mean? Like, okay, nah, nah, Patrick, this is just who you are, right? And the thing is, once I started being around um, more, know queer people i started realizing that people are just like that's people projecting their insecurities onto me you know what i mean and then that's when i was like okay all right you have absolutely nothing to worry about like you just keep being you people are gonna think what they want to think say what they want to say about you but but you know who you are deep down inside you know what i mean and that so yeah it 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 never it, 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 it never really bothered me but it just made me wonder it made me wonder a lot yeah. Now, who was this coming from? Was this coming from other men? Was it coming from other black people? Or was this coming from queer people? Everyone. Oh, it's coming from everyone. <laughs> it was coming from everyone, especially, especially women. Because um, I noticed that women would, women just naturally felt safe around me, right? Like, very na- Dude, I will, I will never forget. I was in the Grove. I was in the Grove. And, now, and that, the, real and quick, the Grove, the Grove is like a oh. very LGBT friendly part of St. Louis. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, so I was at the bar, the bar called Handlebar in the Grove. It was, uh, it was like eighties, nineties R and B night, right? So you know how black people are. We just made it nineties R and B. We out there, you know. So the floor is gonna be, the floor is gonna be demolished all night, right? So, so I'm doing my thing, clowning, right? Bobby Brown's playing. Janet Jackson's playing, all, all the classics, right? I'm doing my thing. And, and, you know, like, I'm a pretty good dancer, so, you know, I, I, I get a lot of attention on me, you know, people staring at me going, ah, you know, and then this girl starts coming up to me, she's dancing, I'm dancing on her, like, we having a great time, right? So I'm like, all right, this night's gonna go some places, right? Like, it's, it's popping, right? So I'm like, yo, let's go to the bar, get a drink. So I'm talking to her, talking to her, talking to her, we have having a great conversation and out of nowhere she just like she just kisses me like she goes in she goes in and i'm like bro it's this all like <laughs> you know it's popping and she's like oh my god you're such a great kisser and i was like thank you thank you she's like oh it's too bad you're gay i was like huh <laughs> I, was like, I was like wait what and she was like wait you're not gay and I was like, no. And my friend Emma was right behind me. She saw and heard the whole thing. She's like, Patrick Brown is one of the straightest men I've ever met. And this girl's face, I've 
never seen a white girl turn more white than this. She she ran. She ran the fuck off. It was fucking hilarious. Um, like she, I'm, she literally ran out the bar, you know, um, because she realized that once she kissed me without my permission, but then she also kissed a gay she, who, who she thought was a gay man for no reason. You know what I mean? So that's like a like a whole lot of layers there. But all that to say, <laughs> it's always been women who who have seen me as non-threatening, um, safe, and so they just naturally assume I'm gay because I'm not always like. Yo, what up? Like, what's your number? Blah blah blah. Like, let me holler at you. You know, like, I'm not like I'm not doing the typical, the typical masculine, or at least what they're used to be as masculine in St. Louis. I'm not doing that typical approach to them. So they always think, okay, like, you know, obviously he he must be gay because he's not trying to fuck me right now. You know. I'm curious to know because this kind of ties into fetishization, like. Were you safe to her as what she received to be gay? And like, what? How do you look gay? How do you? What does it mean to like have that without someone asking you? Do you date men? How does someone just have that assumption? And then, what did it mean to her? Like, this is just kind of where the wheels in my brain are turning for her to like think that it would have been okay to kiss a gay black man but not a straight black man what 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 was the difference like (laughs) you just broke her you like broke her moral code or something because completely yeah sorry sorry i didn't mean to cut you off no no yeah no that's that's like that's exactly i'm telling you bro her like her brain short-circuited you know what i mean she had no she like she didn't, she didn't know what else to do. You know what I mean? Like her reality just fucking shattered. Yeah. So it's you know? like, and I was, and I was happy to do that for her. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> and it makes me wonder too, because it, it begs the question for me, like, what does it mean to, if someone's like, oh yeah, like this is, this is something gay people do be black and dance. What? Like, what is that? What you think of us? And then in my case, like, I've been taught to just look hard in the club, like put my back up against the wall, show my muscles and just like move side to side. Like that is, has been uh-huh. my flirting. But like, as of lately, I've been really getting into dance. I don't give a fuck how stupid I look. I like dancing now. Let me get some yeah. vodka. If I get some vodka, I'm definitely dancing. So yeah. having to go against that. And I think that for me, it might be a little bit different because I am so initially intimidating looking. I look threatening. And then, like, me dancing is something that looks more safe and non-threatening or fun. And I'm wondering if it creates, like, this polarity of the more threatening I appear with my stature that when I do anything like smile or giggle or I speak and I'm well-spoken, like, people's guard goes down tremendously. Let me rephrase that. White people's guard goes down tremendously. Uh, Queer people's guard goes down tremendously and i am completely aware that violence against uh trans black trans women from black men is it's it's outrageous Um, it shouldn't even be a thing i don't even want to call it outrageous it's a thing and it shouldn't be and so uh when i'm received as being someone who is receptive of other identities outside of the binary like i recognize how much safety that creates but 
why the fuck is my baseline to be so threatening to where the bar is so low that I present people with basic human decency and dialogue that it immediately makes them feel so safe? Just like how yeah. like how you present it. Like you dance and it's like, oh, you're so safe. You're, you must be gay. No black man is safe, <laughs> but you're dancing and gay. <laughs> right, exactly. You know? Right. Like that's what I had to do. Like the new edition, you know what I mean? The new edition stuff and everything. I had to do all that. Just to prove you can come twerk on me, like just to catch some twerk for the night. That's you know, that's what I had to do. Like, damn, you know, like shit. I thought I was attractive, but I had to go, I had to do all that. I mean, I had to jump through all these extra hoops just to catch some twerk for the night. Like that's 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 what it is. I don't know, I don't know. But also too, like I wonder, like I like I always wonder, like is that like is 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 it just St. Louis where that is, right? Because I know I can like, okay, so so hear me out. Like there have been other places I've gone to. And, um, because like I used to tour, you know, like I was a, I was a touring rapper for a while, um, where like things were like a little more chill, but like St. Louis is a super racist city. And like, you know, like we all know that, right? St. Louis is a super, super, super fucking racist city. So I always, so I was always curious, like, is it, is it just saying, well, like, how is it for you in Portland? So I have very mixed experience because people tell me. Portland's racist and there's microaggressions like people trying to prepare me for shit like I ain't had to deal with it for 33 years and I'm like oh y'all don't know where I'm from (laughs) and so I just let people I let people like share with me what they will but out here I will say that there is a very strong aura of allyship you know whether it's fake or real I don't know like if I had a business and black men were getting shot and protests were caused as a result of it, I'd put a Black Lives Matter sign on my door, too, to make sure my shit don't get fucked yeah. with. So it, the challenge is really like what's authentic and what's not. I had a couple of experiences here so far with like old white men at the gym, like one dude trying to tell me how to fucking plank. Like I'm, I just looked at him like, all right. <laughs> and then with another one like who felt the need to. You know, introduce himself, yay. But then we had another interaction, and I felt like he needed to tell me that, like, I'm safe here by telling a story that he clearly was saying he had a black friend, but he wouldn't, he, yeah. he didn't say it. He didn't have to say it. I knew what the story, I knew the point of the story. So, outside of those two instances, and I mean, maybe even dating, like, there's not a lot of black people out here, is what the story is. Like, why you move to Portland? Portland's so white. It's like, Portland fucks with what it is that I do in terms of sex education. Like, this is where the opportunity is. And this is also a place where, again, you know, that sense of allyship and, like, being able to make a difference is, like, more receptivity in this atmosphere. And it's more welcoming to black thoughts. And for Uh me being someone who already does what it is that I do in relation to STI stigma and, um like the what would we call it like body positivity sex positivity like even when i interviewed for a job here at ohsu the lady was really impressed with my use of terms and i don't know if it's because i'm a black man who is able to say people with penises instead of men or people with vulvas instead of women or i'm speaking like trauma-informed language but i'm recognizing that in some spaces the bar is just so fucking low so low that Walking into a space sometimes, all you got to do is, hi, I'm Courtney. Oh, my God, you speak so well. Can we get you on this panel? And, I mean, I used to get so freaked out about that because it's like, don't give me an opportunity just because I'm black. Like, give me an opportunity because I'm qualified for the job. But now, like, I'm seeing, you know, this is probably the closest thing to reparations that I'm going to get. 
is the opportunities yeah. that come from me being black that are created as a result of whatever guilt there is that's in the atmosphere. So now I'm like, all right, let me let me just take the shit. Let me take the opportunity to do so because it also helps me with elevating the cause that I care about, which at this point right now is being able to support people who are struggling most with SCI stigma. So, yeah, to answer your question, like it depends. It's very subjective, man. It depends on how you look at it. Like where you are is where you are. You can choose to be a victim of your surroundings or you can put yourself in a position where you see the opportunities that are there. So I'm taking the good with the bad. Uh, in, in dating, like there's still a little bit of education that needs to come with, you know, dating. Cause out here there, I've only matched with on dating sites, uh, white women. And so I recognize like some white women try so hard to be down that it's threatening. Like we got drugs in the car and you riding by cops flicking off the police. Like, yeah, black lives matter. Fuck cops. I'm like, bruh. If we get pulled over and all these drugs in this car, like, I don't care if weed is legal. Like, to me, weed is still legal. And all it takes for you to be like, nah, that's his, officer. I'm fucked. (laughs) Man, man, I got a story about that one time. It's like kind of similar to that, right? Um, So I I used to drive this, like, really shitty beat-down car, fucked up, like, you know, like, expired tags, all kinds of shit, right? St. Louis. no, you know how to get down to St. Louis, bro. Um, hey, I seen that out here. I seen that out here. I can't lie. Uh, someone I'm seeing, her her tags were like February 2020. Yeah, dog. Hey, ride dirty, bro. We out here. You know, like it is what it is. Um, we so get pulled over. Guy, I gotta run. <laughs> I know. So I so I got I got pulled over in South St. Louis City. And the um and and uh, the woman I was dating at the time, um you know she was an ally you know like you know everything like that right every like if you're gonna date a white girl she was everything you want out of a white girl as a black man you know what I mean, um and um I got I got pulled over and it was two cops and I got pulled over right outside of my ex's apartment and you know she, she uh, I guess I guess from her window she saw the lights. And then she looked out and she saw it was my car, right? She ran out of her apartment immediately with her phone, like recording the whole thing, right? And you know, like the flashlight on her phone was super bright. She was like yelling, like, what's going on? You know, blah, blah, blah. You know and, and, and the cops are talking to me at this point. And I had to yell out the window, like, I ain't gonna say her name. But I was like, hey, listen, like, calm down, you know, like. Let me handle this. I've been in this situation many times in St. Louis. I don't want, like, I had to basically, like, yell, hey, just, like, go away. But, like, my whole point was that, uh, point of that was to tell her, like, I know how to handle this. When when cops see that, that can only, like, or m- most of the times it will only escalate the situation to where they get annoyed. They may get a little, you know, a little, like, a little frenzied, you know, like, you know, shit may shit may get out of hand right so i was kind of like hey just, just fucking go away like let me handle this i know how to talk to him like chill you know but she didn't right she just kept like kept recording like kept yelling stuff you know what i mean and um and that was scary for me you know what i mean because like you don't you don't you don't you don't ever want a white cop in st louis to, to ever feel like they're being threatened you know what i mean that's and and that's exactly what that's exactly what she was doing you know so it's like it's one of those things where um like it's a it's a double edged sword, man. <laughs> you know, like you know, like you appreciate the effort, 
you appreciate the white allyship, shit, but sometimes, like, it's like, man, listen, I can't, like, like, we know, like, we know what we're doing. We know how to navigate these situations. Sometimes, like, let us, sometimes, like, let us handle this. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's weird. It's weird because, like I said, I, I, I appreciated it, but still, I was like, man, just, just please go away because, like, this can get so out of hand so very quickly. Like, this whole situation can turn very left. And it was two cops, too. You know what I mean? So it wasn't just, like, one cop that I was I was trying to reason with. There was another cop, you know what I mean, who was on the other side of the car. So it was like, you know, I'm, like, already, like, fuck, fuck, fuck on top of her, you know, like, in the back, you know, just, you know, just trying to be a good person, but still, still, you know, posing more of a risk than, you know, she was she was actually helping, you know? Yeah, and that's kind of where it's important to have, like, the allyship and experience. Like, I sit and watch my white friends sit through seminars uh, created by white people on what to do and how to be a better ally. And I'm like, I sat and I listened. I was like, every y'all paying these people to tell you shit that, one, y'all should already know, and two, like... Ultimately, what this really comes down to is like a need for the dismantling and revision of social structures, period, like the way that systems are. And that's not going to be something you can do in a fucking phone call like this. This is basically therapy for white people who have black people in their circles who want to look a certain way. And I was telling one of my friends, I was like, the solution to this would be like to just this. This is not a solution. One of the ways to best show allyship will be to bring in people and pay us, like pay black people who are able to come in and say, all right, these are some of the issues and disparities that we're facing in this area because it's different depending on where you are, what the uh, economical issues are, because being black in St. Louis is different than being black in Portland. It's different than being black in L.A. It's different than being black yeah. in the South. Like, these are all different kinds of blackness. People looking for one blanket solution to come up with for how can we be better allies to all black people. And it starts with your own inner circles. Like, showing up mm-hmm. and being present with your friends and understanding shit like, hey, when we get pulled over, shut the fuck up. Like, you ain't got to yell at these cops. Like, let me do the talking. If things get beyond my control, you there. Like, I just need somebody to live and tell my story if this gets that out of hand. And if yeah, it starts yeah. to get to a certain point, like, then you know when to jump in and de-escalate. But if I'm not doing anything wrong and the cop asks me for some shit that they shouldn't be asking me for, just let me give it to them. Like, I got to right, I got to just, just, I just want to yeah. make it out of here alive. So if that means yeah. I got to go spend the night at jail... Like, all right, I'm spending the night in jail. Like, I'll do my time (laughs) for whatever the fuck it is. I just want to be able to get back home. And I think that Mm -hmm. there's a certain level of privilege that comes with people who don't have to think that way. It's you don't have to worry about not going home. You just got to worry about how much money you about to lose because you got to pay bail to get out. Like, I'll eat that. Like, they ain't going to get the money, but (laughs) I'm going to do whatever (laughs) it is I got to (laughs) do. Just like yeah, these student loans. I ain't paying that shit. No. <laughs> but anyways. Uh, anyways, yeah. So, anyways. I, I feel like I, I definitely deterred from the point. Um, I'm curious to know about... So, here's how queerness has been described to me. And I want to say uh, what queerness has looked like to me. So, when I started my... Before I started my allyship, I would say... 
when I first started the podcast in 2017, there was a guest, Hannah, who goes by them, they pronouns, and they introduce themselves as a kinky, queer, polyamorous, non-binary person. And I remember I said, what the fuck did you just say to me? And this was like where my education really began. And as time progressed, like I started to uh, learn that like I didn't know what queer meant. I thought queer meant weird or questioning by the uh-huh. by Google definition. Right. And so uh-huh. it's been described to me as just essentially living in a way that deconstructs social norms by that definition, uh-huh. given my advocacy, I would be considered a queer person. However, what I'm also seeing is that uh Queerness is embracing of alternative lifestyles, sex positivity, kink, uh, people who consider themselves to be fat, people who are disabled. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, it's it seems to be anyone who doesn't have a home is welcome into the queer community. Like if you don't identify with any of the social constructed labels that are out there, then you're welcome into queer space. And so like yeah. if you feel like an outsider and you still feel like an outsider in the queer space like where do you belong and that's kind of where that uh-huh. that diagram came in for me because my straightness challenges any idea of queerness in that sense uh-huh. um so <clears throat> i for first off i gotta say thank you for that because i didn't know that's what the definition of queer was <laughs> I had i had zero zero and that's so, the thing. Uh, it's it's different for everyone. When someone says they're queer, you're supposed to ask, all right, well, what what's your queerness look like to you? And I guess it would be the same thing with like being black. Like, what does what is your blackness? I mean, there's kind of like the blanket of like dark skin, like I'm dark skin in some ways. Like if you whoop my ass, nobody will know because I don't bruise easily. But at the same time, I'm more of a threat to police than someone of a lighter skin tone so my blackness looks different than a light-skinned person's blackness and also it depends on the life experiences that have been had so describing to say that queerness is and then have one sentence would be inaccurate because it looks so different for everyone just like blackness just like manliness yeah 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 that's crazy right and i think that's i think that's cool like for me like that's Wow, that's actually very inviting that there's a term that I maybe could have identified with, you know, like growing up, you know, as someone who, as someone who always felt like, felt like an outsider, right? You know, I was always too cool. I mean, I was always like, you know, too white for the black, you know, the story, like too white yeah, for the black. Yeah, what, what song is that? Who sings it? Frank Ocean? Is that Frank Ocean? I, Frank, probably, probably I, think, I think it's Gambino, it's either Gambino or Cuddy, you know, like I, I don't know I don't know honestly but but all that to say those are those are black men of our ilk <laughs> you know what I mean like you know like they 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 have been um, rapping about our stories rapping and singing about our you know about our story for the longest time so yeah it's very it's very enlightening to hear that because you know like 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 we talked about you know uh, privately um, when it comes to deconstructing these identities you know it was. I had to start from the inside out, right? So it was like, okay, who is who is Patrick? And then once I figured all that out, then I was able to say, okay, who is Patrick as it? Okay, like what is Patrick's blackness, right? Like as a rapper, what is who is Patrick as a rapper? You know, and like you know, like all this other stuff, right? Um, 
but like but but now like i'm wondering if i just would have like if i would have known that that definition of queer would i have felt more like fit in like a sense of community fit in right exactly right like something something that i felt was always missing and something that i had to build myself you know what i mean like i had to build my own community of like like of like like-minded people and that was so hard so wow man you just blew my whole shit up right here oh damn you know and the thing is like i'm and, and, and even now like should i like identify as queer now you know what i mean like that's yeah fuck me holy shit oh <laughs> uh, and in in certain contexts like back in in back home uh i can imagine just like how it was used to think the by association with the LGBT community that queer means that you you have sex with people who have the same reproductive parts as you, right? Mm-hmm, That's sure. me putting it as simple as I possibly can. Um, if that is in association with what queer is and that's a derogatory term that's not something that would fit with you but by definition that that i'm learning like it's a revolutionary term it's about being who you are like you are unique and you don't belong in these social constructs that tell us what it means to be a man but you also Uh embrace your femininity like here's what masculinity Uh is but you also embrace your femininity here's what your blackness is and it doesn't like your way of expressing blackness doesn't fit into the general overall mode of what you're supposed to be like according to BET movies right and yeah. how that fits in started. right <laughs> <laughs> and how that fits into queer spaces is like yo I'm different do I belong here and then it's like you're met with the opposite side of what uh, like if we look at queer from within the community and then outside looking in like oh get your get uh-huh. your weird ass over there with your queer ass uh-huh. and then from within uh-huh. queer people being like no no you don't you, you're not you're not you don't fit in and not to say that any one person can speak on behalf of an entire community and be like yeah you do or don't belong here or you need to challenge your sexuality or challenge your blackness or challenge your manliness in order to belong but that's what it feels like it don't matter if that's not what the protocol is it's just that's how it feels to be judged and not necessarily fit in and what you just spoke to so beautifully is you speak to this inside out approach of who is patrick and when i look at the diagram that i created I look at the the sphere in the middle because I thought that I needed to condense these three identities for myself and put them into the sphere of one new label. The whole thing about queerness is that it rejects labels. It rejects social constructs. It rejects all these things. And when you eliminate the external expectations of what it means to be queer, of what it means to be black, of what it means to be masculine, then you're left with what has already been there, which is the core of who you are before you you were taught that you needed to be manly, you needed to be black, or you needed to be a fucking basic, uh, a decent human being going against anything that's like injustice. So before you were taught those things, like who were you? And all of these things that have been added on, such as labels and identifiers, like they don't mean anything. It's about what your behaviors are. It's about what you believe. It's about how you show up in the world. And we're all unique. Once we all start to shave away those external identifiers, I think that shit, in essence, by the definition that I've been presented with, maybe we're all queer. Yeah. 
Yeah, and then and two, it it helps us start to heal. You know what I mean? That's the biggest thing. Like it helps us start to heal. We become more connected to who we are and and how we see and 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 perceive the world around us, you know, which was one of the biggest biggest things for me because, you know, with that I gained so much more confidence in my worldview. You know what I mean? And in my like opinions and just and just who I was, you know, you know, because it was like it was that whole process took me like some time, right? Like I didn't just like write it down and it just like magically like you know like everything changed right like i had to really like explore who i was and how i related to the world around me and and just like who i wanted to be as a person um like that was like that was such 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 a huge thing for me again as someone you know who didn't really have a sense of tribe or sense of community and things like that once i was able to strip away all these labels that people have put on me my entire life, that's when I was able to go out and find and find my people. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and so, and so I think, I think, I think everyone should, should like check in with themselves like that periodically. Right. You know, because like as we go through life and like, as we go through life, like we see things that changes us and like, we're supposed to grow. But the thing is, I think, we should always go back to our core and say, okay, like, is this really who I want to be? Right. Like, like, is this like, is this title or, I mean, not, not as this title, but like, is this an authentic representation of who I am and how I think? Right. And then two, once you start peeling back those layers and then getting, getting into who you are as it relates to all these different spaces, you can also see the problem points of those spaces and of those communities too. You know what I mean? Like that was okay. So like that was the biggest thing for me because so my father, um, my father is in the nation of Islam. Right. And I don't know if people know what the nation of Islam is, but, um, you know, it's, it's very hard to explain. I'm not really going to get into it, but you know, but basically, you know, they believe that the black man is supreme. So, so imagine having that, thrown at you your like entire life you know the black man is god you know you don't date white women you don't eat pork you don't do any of that stuff right you know like you don't any of that but you find yourself attracted to all kinds of different people all kinds of different races right so like my whole life i had all these things thrown at me but especially that like that was the one thing right and so and so for me like whenever i was in these spaces I always felt like I had to be like the blackest person in the like I mean like in these white spaces, right? Like I always had to be like the blackest person in the room. You know what I mean? Like even amongst all these white people, like I had to show them how how black I was because because I was just I don't know. It's it's, it's very hard to articulate right now. I'm sorry, but but you know like I always had this this almost like this false sense of blackness my entire life until I stripped away that title and I was like you know what no 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 before I'm black I'm Patrick how 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 do I want to be black what does being a black man mean to me and then I can authentically express that in the world especially in these white spaces because I'm like accepted in these white spaces because again I've seen it's not threatening or like safe or something like that right um so like I'm like thrusted and welcomed into these white spaces and so 
a lot of times I felt like a fraud, man. You know, I feel like a straight up fraud. And I had to had to go back to the essence and just figure out like who I wanted to be. That's just one example. Yeah, I appreciate that. Thank you for speaking to that. Uh, and what resonates with me here is like having to prove your blackness. You know, it mm-hmm. it goes along with being a man, playing sports, having to prove your manliness, being someone who shows up as an ally, but then it's like, are you really an ally or do you secretly want to belong here? Like having to prove your differentness, your queerness, right? So we're always really at conflict and like there are things that I like about each of these three identities. I like that I am as strong as I am, that I'm as big as I am. I like the 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 presence that I have presenting as a masculine person. I like my blackness. I like my swag, my culture. I like that I belong to such amazing just like an amazing artistic group and culture of people i love watching rap battles rap battles always bring me back home yeah. it makes me remind mm-hmm. myself like hey this is like i take things from this and i apply it to my day-to-day life and the people that i use it on never fucking know the metaphors the similes all that mm-hmm. and then as far as like showing up in queer spaces i like doing relationship styles that are non-traditional um a friend of mine his therapist mentioned to him that uh, in his relationship, he likes to have queer sex. And like, I was like, whoa, what? And then when it was explained, like some of the acts are just non-traditional, like they go against societal's norm of what it means to do sex or have sex. Right. And so when I heard these things, I was like, wow. So I do a lot of, uh, there, there's ways that I, there are aspects of my blackness that I express more than others, aspects of my manliness I express more than others, and aspect of queerness that I express and embody and embrace a lot more than others as well. But mm-hmm. neither of these spaces feel like welcoming to me for those other identities that I have. And that mm-hmm. is what really sparked this dialogue. That's what started this conversation is just not being blank enough not being black enough, not being manly enough, not being queer enough and to the point of, all right, well, where do I belong? I belong in a place of healing. So like that sphere in the center, the question mark that's there, the answer to all of this is healing, like being able to look at and dissect what those identities mean to you and then decide, you know, who you want to be. Just like you said, Patrick, you know, who do I want to be? And that's that's where we begin to go on this healing journey. We got uh, just a few minutes left before. Oh, (laughs) we got a few minutes left before uh, the audio cuts out. So I want to leave you with the space to share anything it is that you want to share before we close out here. Uh, Oh, anything. Oh, wow. Oh, man. You just hit me with something. Oh, man. Shit. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, shit. Coming by surprise there. Um. Just think about uh, anything that you would want to add to the conversation, because my hope here is to call in more uh, more people who look like us, like more black, straight men who identify with queer culture or maybe don't fit into what it traditionally means to be manly, queer or black. So like in calling them in and, you know, being supportive through just our dialogue and understand that like these conversations are being had and that there yeah, is yeah. space for it. Yeah, no, no. Yeah. That's the biggest thing. Um, 
you know, to to you know, to other black men who who may be listening, I just want to say like what whatever emotions or you know thoughts you're feeling, you know, they are especially especially as it pertains to your own identity. Those thoughts and those emotions are valid, and do not be scared to explore. You know, like what whatever those thoughts and emotions mean to you, explore those. You you owe it to yourself because we have we have the world not just white people everyone is trying to define what a black man should be in this world right and you don't have to listen to any of that you you listen to yourself listen to your conscience listen to your gut and whatever you have going on in your head just 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 explore it you know what i mean i'm not i'm not saying it's going to be easy because you know i've had my rough patches you know like this finding out who I am and who I want to be, but don't be afraid. Sometimes it might, it might rub people the wrong way. It might be a little bit against the grain. That's okay. Just, just be open to growth. So like whatever thoughts you have, just, just give it, give it thought. I mean, give it time to, you know, to grow within you. You know what I mean? Yeah. And don't be scared to leave St. Louis. I mean, don't be scared to leave wherever you at in order to <laughs> in order to be yeah. whoever it is that you feel like you need to yeah. be. That's one of the things that I found out here in Portland, man, is that like being here and speaking to other black men. One of the things that I hear consistently is you can be whoever the fuck you want to be here. And that's what's important. We need to hear that. We need spaces where we hear that it's safe for us to be who we are, who we want to be. Because that expression is healing, man. We need to be able to uh, self-express, have space to self-explore, self-discover, and be able to expand from there. Um, so, yeah. And, yeah, that, that that's enough. Because I know, like, there's no telling how long it's going to take for somebody to find this. There might be kids out there who are like, damn, you know, I, I'm 17 and I feel this way. You know, so I hope that our conversation is able to make it to them and that they can just seek us out for support if needed. And I know that predominantly this audience is white, cisgendered, not all the way straight women. But I know y'all, y'all fuck with some black dudes and y'all can share this with them. And if they (laughs) are non-threatening, please share this with them and like encourage them to reach out. Like, yeah, somebody did that for me. Uh, it's funny. I'm going to close out with this because we ain't got much more time. Uh, one of my friends here in Portland reached out to me and was like, hey, I just had a call with this guy. And she said his name. And she was like, I want to connect y'all. And I'm like, oh, because he's black. But she said his name. And I was like, oh, shit. Like, we grew up together. Like, our parents, our moms were friends. And he just happened to move out here. So he and I reconnected. And shit, he on the same shit that I'm on. Like, we grown up same type of thing but have come into this space of being accepting of other ways of being in life Uh and like finding our own ways uh patrick how can people connect with you if they do want to connect with you follow you listen to your music follow you because uh you post some funny stuff too (laughs) that's what everyone says uh thank you uh yeah so my handle all all of my ads uh is p brown one word underscore the um, underscore Aeon, A-E-O-N. Um, that's P Brown underscore the um, underscore Aeon. Please follow me everywhere. Like, you know, of course, like Courtney said, you know, I make music. Um, <laughs> also safe and non-threatening. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, uh, so yeah, please uh, follow me. Hit, hit me up. I'm always open to talk and 
these kinds of conversations. Any black men who may be listening, my DMs are always open if you want to talk about ever talk about anything you want, bro. Hit me up. My, my, I'm, I'm always here. Perfect. And then I'll link to that in the show notes. That concludes yeah. this episode of Something Positive for Positive People. Please like, rate, review, subscribe to this podcast. And this series is going to be fire. I got a couple of more interviews coming up with therapists and women who feel the same way. Till next time, stay sex positive.